thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Oh, and me too. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. I love it because you really push for specifics as opposed to blah, blah, blah. And so I, I love the connection of both your customer experience podcast as well as Yay Monday. So thank you so much for having me on, uh, on your show. Appreciate that, Bruce. Thank you very much. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Pat Purdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Delivering great customer experience every time is really, really hard. If it was easy, more companies would be doing it. We all know that ain't happening. That's exactly where this show comes in. Every episode, we take a close look at companies who are getting customer experience right. Whether it's over the phone, over technology such as social media or apps on your smartphone, or in person, there are some companies who are just really good at this. This show looks at what they're doing differently to make their customers love them and introduces us to the people whose job it is to make great customer experience happen. So if delivering exceptional customer experience is part of your business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Pat Perdue, and I'm glad you found us. Hey, welcome back to Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. I'm Pat Perdue. Happy New Year. I hope you had a great January, and I'm excited that you're here. I've got a great show for you that will really help you launch your success for 2019. One of the big challenges in customer experience is managing all of the changing initiatives that are simply a way of life among competitive companies today. There is huge pressure at all levels of just about every organization to innovate. Do something new. What can we do differently? The pressure to constantly innovate has become the norm. It's become business as usual. The challenge is that with every department on the hook to be innovative, they end up tripping over each other and negatively impacting the customer experience in unforeseen ways. Customers see this all the time. One example is an email I recently received from a telecommunications company announcing a new service, and when I called to learn more, the poor service agent had no idea what I was talking about. Huge fail, right? And you've probably had a similar experience. So what happened in this case is the company innovated, the technicians and product developers came up with something new, so that's good. What they lacked was a process or maybe even a playbook to make the adoption of that innovation possible. The result? Well, as a customer, I didn't take their offer. And until they revisited their processes to make adoption of that innovation possible, the ROI on that innovation? Zero. That's a big deal. Speaking of big deals, (laughs) our guest today, Bruce Simpson, knows a lot about helping companies manage the change that comes from a culture of constant innovation. As co-founder of Switchgear Consulting, Bruce has spent the past 15 years as a trusted co-pilot for big change, helping leaders who are not only trying to change culture and elevate performance, but have also realized that they need a makeover on how they work and even how their people think. I've known Bruce for a lot of years, and our paths have crossed professionally quite frequently. And Bruce is the kind of person who, you know, you're all sitting around the boardroom table thinking everything is figured out, and then he'll say what seems to be a simple comment, but it's really a lightning bolt of, wow, we never thought of that. (laughs) which is why Bruce is in constant demand to be part of many, many conversations of that type all around the country. So we're really, really lucky to get Bruce on our show today. 
Bruce and I talk about the idea of innovation versus adoption. If your department or even organization is stuck and needs to jumpstart your ability to move forward, particularly where your customers are concerned, the next 30 minutes will be really well invested. Get a pen and paper handy. You'll want to take some notes on this one. I started our conversation by asking Bruce what a good definition of adoption would be. Here's my guest, trusted co-pilot for making big change a reality, Bruce Simpson. I'd actually back up to what's the definition of innovation. Okay. Because I feel like the word innovation, is it a brand new technology that we're innovating? Uh, We use the word innovation to describe an innovative approach. So my first one, and for this conversation, I'd like to focus less on an innovative business model. Okay. And I'd like to focus more on innovation in the context of an existing operation. What I like to use is, as being a little bit of the definition, truthfully, is I think of it a little bit as do better versus do new. So doing better at something that you're already doing. It may be a new channel you're adding. It might be a new media. But that, for me, is the first one. Like, what's the definition of innovation? What is it that we're trying to do? And then we can start talking about, okay, well, what are we trying to get adoption for? Got it. And within a lot of organizations, though, isn't there a lot of pressure for frontline managers, mid-level managers, and even senior lead, not not the C-suite necessarily, but maybe one or two steps down from that to always, I guess, prove their relevance or prove their level of originality? Absolutely. Actually, I wouldn't exclude the C-suite. I actually think it's start and that's where the biggest pressure is. I need you to innovate. You know, the truth is, is you have to innovate. You have to remain relevant. That's, I think, where the biggest issue is, is that if you don't innovate and you don't get adoption for your innovation, you're actually very likely to go obsolete, especially to your customers. So in your your request for a definition around adoption, we could talk about it in the context of innovation, but it's you're trying to get a consistent outcome. Companies that are innovate, innovate, fail fast, disrupt yourself, I feel like they're at great risk because there's no ROI for any innovation if you can't get adoption. What are some symptoms of my culture being innovate, innovate, innovate at the cost of adoption? And what are some things I might be able to do differently? Yeah, maybe I can just use a couple of little uh, storyettes. Um this work's been going on for me. Uh, you pointed out over our coffee that, um, you know, Bruce, you say you've been doing this work on adoption for, you know, a couple of years, but truthfully, it's been sort of 30. I think there were a couple of storyettes. Let me kind of, I'll answer your question, but I feel like it kind of became really, really obvious. The first one that kind of got was when I got poked in the eye was having coffee with Dan Stark and uh, we were talking, Dan was my client at Microsoft, and now he's at Amazon. So here you have a company that is probably seen as one of the greatest innovative companies on the planet right now. And Dan pokes me in the eye because he says the issue is not innovation. He said, everyone is gaga about innovation. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the line that I've stolen now from him, which is, you know, there is no, there is no ROI for any innovation if you can't get adoption. And so when I start looking at it, that spawned a little bit of a a listening tour. So with Paul from the Switchgear team and myself, we interviewed 47 director and VP level people 
on this whole topic of innovation and, and how do you get adoption. And there were kind of three key themes that came out. The first was really around, it was a universal issue. It wasn't like people were going, yeah, no, we got no issues with it. The second one that was really cool, uh, very interesting was every sales and service team is challenged by adoption. Some are trying to adopt the changes from two years ago. While piling on innovations on top of that. Right, for sure. It becomes a layer, right? And that's part of what you see in the world of change now is if you're talking transformation, actually, you might be in some trouble, right? You're, you're looking behind. A lot of companies have challenges with what I'll describe as everyday change, policy changes, like the cycle of stuff that's going on. Some might classify it as knowledge management. And then the third really is, how are we getting something actually innovative that is different than what we were doing better, um, but how, do we, how are we trying to innovate and make changes? And I look at it in terms of those three categories. One of the symptoms that you will have is that there's huge inconsistency in your operations. If our operations are struggling with, we launch something and we maybe get 50% uptick, you have an adoption rate issue. Right? I'm not saying you're going to get 99%, but if your adoption rate on making a, a meaningful change is, um, is struggling, that's probably the first one. And you see that even in everyday changes. The second one is, um, and it's, this is certainly more strategic because I believe now one of the things that we start to realize is it's not innovation that's determining your competitiveness. Adoption, especially in sales and service teams, is becoming a strategic advantage. If you can't get adoption to happen for all this effort and all this innovation, um, you know, just blowing your brains out. Essentially, how do I know that adoption is my issue? Like, is this a blind spot that I need to uncover? Right. So one of the other ones is there's an us and them. Now that's existed with lots of groups, IT and operations. Yes. Sales and marketing. Exactly. Sales and marketing. And it can be a sales or service team field technicians that are at odds with their coordination team. The downstream group of the operation of sales and service is usually seen as being guilty. The VP of operations is an obstacle to innovation. And I actually think that's a symptom. Because the VP of operations, I would imagine, is focused on adoption. Do you see a, a potentially diametric relationship very between much. innovation and adoption. Yeah, very much, Pat. And what I, what I will tell you is the first question that people I get people to start to think about, is this a design issue or is this an execution issue? Okay. Right? People that think that everybody's AHT going up is an execution issue are missing the point. Sure. AHT, for the folks who are listening, uh, from a contact center perspective, that's a term used for average handle time, which if you've ever worked in a contact center, it's a big deal for contact centers to manage. Right. So you see this giant spike of 30 seconds, let's say. It's a, it's a significant one. And all of a sudden, we're mad at the operations. Well, well, did you think everybody got together and said, let's everybody get 30% worse? So I think it's really important to start to identify, is this a design issue? Or is this an execution issue? And you can't solve a design issue with good execution. What you touched on is a really interesting, as you know very well, um, phenomenon in an organization that's really struggling with their customer experience journey. And that's the siloed nature of a variety of departments and a lot of finger pointing as a result. So, and that being one of the symptoms 
of an organization that has an adoption problem. So knowing that's the case, I'm a mid-level manager. Yeah. I'm let's say well, I'm one or two levels removed from the front line. Yep. What are some things or conversations or some steps that I can take to help that? What I try and get people to think about is what's the definition of done? Okay. If you say to your teenage son, I need you to do the laundry, is that you want it to get into the basket, into the machine, uh, or do you want it out of the dryer and folded him back into, uh, in, into his drawer? And I feel like one of the best questions you can ask is, What's the definition of done? What are we trying to do here? If marketing or product or IT is thinking launch, 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 I need them to start to get to think, implement, and integrate. And so that's a first question that you can ask. You know, it, it comes in some layers. Is this a design issue or is it an execution issue? Are we clear on what the outcome is we're trying to do? Are we heaving it over the fence and we're testing? I love one client said to me, he said, we specialize in big splash and cleanup. And that's a good thing. Well, I would rather that we did Ripple, sure. got it right, and then we're actually growing a wave of, uh, of movement, of, of implementation, as opposed to we have one go at it, we chuck it in the middle, we're not really sure what the outcome is supposed to be. And, and operationally, I'm almost thinking good adoption crosses multiple departments. Yeah. And perhaps one innovation initiative might have adoption implications for a variety of departments. Yeah. So is there almost an adoption team, almost like a SWAT team that could be required operationally just to see that these innovations get done or create some sort of measurement, create some sort of success benchmark so that they can know that they are actually doing what they're hoping they're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what uh, we, in the olden in the olden days in the olden mm. days we would have called uh, a take to market team, which is really like we're going to launch a campaign, we're going to launch something, mm -hmm. and, and what are all the things that we need to make sure we take into uh, consideration? You'd ask the question around a middle manager. Yes. And I usually try and get them to answer what I call the goal questions. Okay. Because most innovation is actually unclear on what are you really trying to change? We really, we want to innovate. And it says on the PowerPoint presentation and around the executive table, innovate. But I get them to answer three questions and it crosses over from an executive to middle manager. And that's why I, I, I think it's very helpful. First is what specifically needs to change? right? Like we, we have an idea, sales go up. Well, we should probably get really, really clear on what are we actually trying to change and what is it trying to change to? That's the second question. We want sales to go up is probably not very granular. Sure. We're trying to get this one thing to happen and it gives you a little bit of to and from. And narrowing it down to one thing, not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. But that's where I think we lose a lot of leakage, where, where there's a lot of leakage in some really good thoughtfulness. What I see a lot of times is a company had a really worthwhile innovation. They actually don't know whether it's going to work or not because you couldn't get the execution. And what is the point of innovating if it's not going to change any results or behaviors? Right, right. So that's why I kind of give them around those three little goal questions. What specifically needs to change? What does it need to change to? 
And what do we need to do to cause this change to happen? Okay. Because there are lots of things that get in the way of change and innovation, and sometimes they're emotional, right? Like sure. they're not just a process. They're not just knowledge or we're going to train somebody. But actually, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of uncertainty. And especially when you're talking about innovation, there's some ang- ambiguity. When you're engaged with a company, it probably feels like innovation is happening because they're starting to experience the changes that they've been talking about for however long. Yeah, I think the um, you at, at the top, you did a, a very thoughtful job saying this whole business mantra, it's kind of, there's some blinders like a racehorse on right now, headed towards something called innovate, innovate, innovate. Like I told yep. everybody up the chain of command. I think actually that can be one of our greatest weaknesses right now because we are dumping so much into the system and we have new and faster ways to rain stuff down on the operation that actually it's getting in the way. It's causing resistance to change. Flavor of the month, blah, blah, blah. The middle manager you talk about, his job is actually to act as an umbrella to shield everybody from the crap that's coming down. So in essence, we're actually building resistance to progress. Let's just use the word progress instead of change for a moment. We're actually building a resistance to progress in our people. We're making it hard. We're raising the emotion. They think we're nuts. And we, Mm -hmm. you know, we're putting on our action plan for this quarter. You know, we're going to hear 14 new innovations going to go in. When an organization is doing what you've just described, you know, it's innovate, innovate, innovate. How receptive are they to the message of, you know, maybe slow that down and maybe change the focus to adoption? Is that something that they say, well, yeah, of course. Or do you find that you're getting resistance to that message? It's like any change, right? Like until you end up on the operating table, you might continue to smoke or until some ill health comes at the age of 50 or something like that, you're still going to eat potato chips for breakfast. So there are a few companies that are causing their own dissatisfaction. They're not, you know, the sky is falling. Oh my God, we are terrible. They're like, no, we can be a better version of ourselves. And that's where I think the message is. And so I feel like there are a lot of companies that are waiting for somebody, sometimes, you know, someone like Bruce, who has some gray hair to say like, you know, you, you should make this move quickly. Because it's happening so fast that companies are disappearing. We're all like, oh, they disappeared from the, uh, you know, the, the S&P 500. Oh, that's too bad. Another one. And share with us a little bit about your journey that's brought you to this realization yeah. or the distillation of your experience that comes down to, wow, no, it's not innovation, it's adoption. So first of all, it was, you know, kind of uh, being in charge of uh, contact centers. Uh, I'm going to say the date, but uh, back in the early 90s, <laughs> yeah. um, where, you know, even before we created, you know, before it was a call center and not a contact center, we were struggling with how do we implement and execute really, really well. Right. And when it really became really, oh my gosh, we need to be good at this, was when you were a third party contact center vendor, where you started to realize, I need to be so good at adoption because I don't have the advantages of being inside the, the cone of secrecy of an organization. Stuff's going to come over the fence half-baked. And to some extent, you had to be so good you could compensate for the work that you wish that your client yes. would have done. That's when it kind That's of That's when you're good at it. And so when it really became more obvious was when I was doing audits. When I was doing audits on behalf of clients, so 
Microsoft or Royal Bank or TD Bank would hire a, um, a switchgear to do audits on their third-party um, partner. And one of the things I think they thought was, um, you need to go and fix them. But what happened was, if you go back to my example of design issues and execution issues, what you actually found was most of the time there were design issues. E even if they executed well, you hadn't designed this really well. And those would, you would see, they would be clients who would be picking up and moving their work every couple of years at great cost and expense and torturing their customers. Okay. And, and you started to realize, wow, these guys, they do a lousy job at adoption. And so it wasn't even about these massive innovations of whole new technologies and media and all these things. It was just even handling some of the blocking and tackling of everyday change. Bruce has given us a lot to think about. Innovation, adoption, execution, design. If you recall from my introduction, Bruce lives squarely within the sales and service areas of an organization. So I asked Bruce, why now? Here's Bruce. I really feel right now, Pat, that now's our time. This matters a lot. And we as leaders in, in sales, you know, you middle, middle level managers, frontline managers and executives, we all need to start to look in the mirror and say, actually, we're causing like, forget work-life balance. When they are at work, we are burning a lot of them like firewood. And I feel very passionate that this is the piece of work that is going to embody, um, you know, where the, where the people that are going to be successful because they were thinking differently about this topic called adoption. And do you feel that now is the time, you mentioned AI, the proliferation of AI in customer-facing interactions, is that triggering the now is the time? Because when it actually does get to a human being, that human being will have to be much more prepared to have a value-added conversation than perhaps they might have been a few years ago. I don't think that AI and bots don't have a place. I think they do. Of course. They're going to continue to remove self-service and, and make, make simpler transactions go away. But what it's leaving is this giant gulf like we don't have the skill set to be able to help them with the more complicated decisions. A lot of this work started because of two things. The first one is, and I'll start with this because it's close to your heart, is really around the digitization of the customer experience. It's a nice concept. The how-to, that's a long way away. Mm -hmm. The second one is, was it actually from a piece of work that I did with McKay Forum? And that is how customers are buying and, you know, how it, it used to be how we sold. Now it's about how customers buy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies are going obsolete. They don't even really understand why. They just aren't able to produce revenue and be in a conversation with customers about, uh, we'd like to sell you something. Even their existing customers, we'd like to sell you some more. That's a really hard one. And that's where people are between the digitization of the customer experience and companies are going obsolete at generating revenue. That's where everybody is going, oh my God, we should be upset about this pretty quickly. And you know what's fascinating about that? Getting to the idea of innovation versus adoption. Intuitively, that might prompt a lot of companies to say, we have to innovate more. We have to get more innovation. And that might be precisely the wrong thing to do. Yeah. I would suggest that there you describe some layers. So it becomes about how do we layer on with some good diagnostics? What do we need to work on first, second, and third? So Bruce, as we wind down our conversation, 
I know you're very action-oriented. Yep. And I would love to be able to leave our listeners with something that they can take away and do or say to ignite a conversation about adoption within their organization. How might you respond to that? So let me give you what, uh, some real, I, I tried to come uh, knowing your genre. Uh, <laughs> I tried to come with some very specific ones. So first of all, do you have an actual system for adoption? And most the answer actually is no. It might even be a massive question mark popping up over somebody's head. Right. And by the way, what I find is, is the precursor to that is because of the chaos that a lot of uh, companies deal with inside their operations, they actually don't even have an operating system. So we're, we're running our operations and it's quite antiquated. It's, it's how we used to run it 10 years ago, as opposed to it's an agile one that gets smarter every day. Mm -hmm. or versus it's waiting for the VP to tell us what to do. And that's actually wrong. Okay. If you really want to make progress, the first thing the executive can do is stop talking priorities and start making trade-offs. We have these priorities where we list like 10. You need to focus, which is the one thing you need to be exceptional at this quarter or this month? Yes. And just start there. So make some trade-offs and decisions. That's a big one that an executive can be. So the other ones that I would say is when you start to transition from executives towards middle manager, you should have a calendar. You should have a customer calendar. And what's on that calendar? What might be one example of something that you'd find on that calendar? Right. Like you're going to make a change 30 days from now. That alone, if you could get people to, to lock down on the changes and what needs to happen before you certify like before you say we're going ahead with this change, right. you actually need to lock some stuff down so that people aren't doing the, we're launching the training tomorrow. So a mid-manager, you're listening to this, you want to make a difference, you should have a calendar that has written in stone about 80% of what you're doing 30 days from now. And how specific do those entries need to be in terms of the change that I'm implementing 30 days or 90 days out? Those three questions we talked about earlier, what specifically needs to change? What does it need to change to? And what do we need to do to cause this change to happen? It's actually more about capacity that people can endure. And what I find really interesting about our conversation, Bruce, is you're speaking from a primarily a contact center point of view, but this can be applied to any organization that's experiencing some of what we're talking about today from manufacturing, also going through tremendous change and upheaval. What I recognize between people who do adoption really, really well and don't do, like I've given you like people that do it well, they have an adoption system, there's a calendar, there's capacity planning. One of the big ones is, is that they run set plays. Okay. So this type of change or adoption or innovation we're trying to, to make happen, they're not making it up from scratch every time. What I really like about that is the adoption or the change is the new thing. The behaviors are something that they've yeah. done before. Totally. We have a number of very specific set plays that type of everyday change we're running play number one, a very specific large scale change of technology or a different customer interface media or any one of those. We're running, uh, you know, play Love number it. four. And so they're not making it up from scratch. That's a huge one that I see 
And people just keep making it up from scratch. They're not getting any smarter. They're starting with a blank right. sheet every time. And what I see about people that are a block or two ahead is they're really running a bunch of set plays. As you say, it's the behavior we're working on. We're not making up the methodology. Love it. Love that distinction. And now I'm going to ask a question that's a little bit different from the direction okay. that we've been going. Bruce, you and I often talk about audiobooks that we're listening to, books that we're reading that are impactful to us. If you had a book to recommend either to me, because I'm being purely self-interested with this question, or to our listeners, what might that be? Yeah. One is it's, it's poorly named for the value that it holds, but Lean Startup by Eric Ries is really where all of this dialogue about agile came from. And so people don't really, they take the language from it, but they don't really understand. And it's too bad he, he didn't list it as the, the lean entrepreneur. So that would be uh, one. If that's too heavy for people, uh, one that I've gone back to recently is by Seth Godin called Lynchpin. And, you know, the whole idea of being a map maker and, you know, kind of uh, solving difficult problems I think lots of people could benefit by putting that on during their workout. Awesome. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was really a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, and uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for those listening. I uh, really, uh, really like the format, and I uh, forgot that uh, there were other people along for the ride. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Bye. Okay. Take care. All right. That was my guest, Bruce Simpson. You'll find his contact information in the show notes. What stood out for you in that conversation? What stood out for me was the idea that there's no ROI on innovation if you don't have adoption. Okay, so how do you get adoption? Have an organizational operating system that is agile, that allows your department or your company to absorb innovation without a whole lot of internal disruption. And this can be done by running what Bruce calls set plays. If you can do that, then the innovations that allow your company to stay relevant will find their way to your customers. And that's when you can sustain a meaningful, lasting impact on your organization's customer experience. Thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and give us a rating and a comment. That really helps people find the show. Until next time, I'm Pat Perdue.